What's up, everybody? It's Chris, and it's We Are Live. Very excited today. Quick one-on-one -on -one conversation with Denim Richards. Denim, so good to see you, man. Uh, you've got a very, very busy June happening right now with all the projects and everything else that's uh, kicking off. But most importantly, uh, you're rocking it out with your pup in uh, Orange County, man. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's been a blessing. Uh, a lot going on, you know, this summer, which is, is nice, but, you know, a lot of things going on in the world. And yes, I do have a new German Shepherd, uh, 11 months old, so we're still adjusting. So I cannot uh, deny the fact that there could be a moment where this camera completely falls over in the middle of this interview because he just comes in out of nowhere and doesn't know his body yet because he's 90 pounds, like 95 pounds. Oh my he's 11 gosh. months old, so he has no body identity yet. And his tail is as long as most of my tables. So it's just, it's crazy. But it's its a beautiful addition. Glad to have him. Denim, you, uh, I, I hate to, I regret to inform you, you've you have came home with a, a, a prop wolf from Yellowstone, which <laughs> just premiered, that you're part of. That's not a German Shepherd, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I know exactly. Well, now the whole thing is, now I just need to get him on the show. So now that's going to be <laughs> going into going into season four. There's going to be a hard push to have a German Shepherd as part of the Bunkhouse Boys that is going to come in. So we'll say, stay tuned. We'll see how negotiations work. Who knows? Uh, right. Yeah, you speak up for your your 95 yeah, yeah, pound I'm dog. I'm, I'm, for now, he's supposed to be like 130 by the time he's done. So we'll I, see. It'll be a full human. <laughs> we'll 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 have you check back in on that and see yeah. who uh, see who's like controlling the house at that point. Well, I the, feel like you're gonna be, be you'll be you'll be interviewing him and yes. he'll be telling you that I'm the one that doesn't know what I'm doing. So I think okay. that's how that works. I mean, that's typically how things go. No, man, it's obviously it's been strange times, but uh, I don't know. Just getting things going. You have a book out wonderful cause that that uh, raises money for you've <laughs> directed a film You're, you have so much going on uh i'm sure it's um it's pleasing to be at that part in your career but i guess this is something that i've struggled with staying busy and actually being happy with the career mm -hmm. stuff that's happening mm -hmm. while others around us are not doing that great i'm sitting there i'm reading all your bio all your uh, great information that the, all the things you have going on uh, I am curious how that's worked out how, for you personally. Is that something you have any guilt over? And I'm projecting a bit here, but no, I, I'm, I'm excited no, for fine. you. Um, no, well, thank you. You know, I'm a, first of all, all praise is the most high. I'm very lucky, um, very fortunate, very blessed. And, you know, it's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, I've had during the time of, of COVID, you know, one of the most interesting things in my entire life is I've always been a person that with any situation that's happened, I usually always try to pull out of it emotionally because I feel like it's very, very easy to not only fall into emotional traps, but then to also get very easily manipulated with a lot of emotional sure. things that are going on. Um, and so one of the things like I'm very, very spiritual. So I'm read scripture most of the time when I'm not doing interviews and things like that. I'm pretty much just in scripture. And one of the things that I've always tried to be a vessel is to be able to bring more light but then also more awareness to things that are going on um and so even for you know like the zoo which i know we'll talk about it at a certain point um that was an opportunity again to be able to further a discussion um to be able with with the times that we're in right now again it's kind of like seed time and harvest where you don't really know exactly how things are going to land and what at what point it's going to come out and in what atmosphere it's going to come out in um, but it kind of just proved, you know, that this is a perfect time for, you know, a film like this to kind of be shown to be able to start a conversation. Um, and the book, Mastering Your Mind, again, that was the thing that I did. I wrote during COVID um, because it was something I usually on my Instagram, I usually like once a day will, you know, write a motivational quote that I've been praying or meditating on. And so during the time of COVID, I knew that there was going to be a lot of uncertainty. I knew everyone was going to be affected. Everyone was going to be impacted. And like, you know, like you said, like so many people, millions and millions of people are losing their jobs and don't really know where they're going to be going, what they're going to be doing. So my goal was to try to just give them something to be able to allow them to start focusing and thinking about their mental health and about getting their mental awareness higher. Because it's so easy, man, when we plug into television, we're in the media, it's just constantly just, it's like yeah. a whirlwind of emotional chaos all the time. And it's like, there's never anything to like 
promote any type of positivity for our mental state. Um, And so I wanted to create um, Write Mastering Your Mind for that reason. But then I also was like, I wasn't writing it to make any money. And so one of the other things I'm really, really passionate about is talking about um, child sex trafficking and the, the lack of attention that goes to that. So it really became a thing where I could kind of parlay those two things where it becomes a win-win for people to be able to go out, have something for themselves, but then also to be able to support it for a good cause. So everything that I've been trying to do, I've also been trying to parlay it into the things that are going on in society and have really nothing to do with me. Like I don't really like to be kind of like, uh, you know, put up on a pedestal in any of that type of way. Sure, it sure. Makes me actually feel very uncomfortable because uh, I'm just, I'm really just a servant in that way. And so... Um, it can be very, very difficult, like you were saying, like, you know, you have all these things and it's almost kind of like, are you acknowledging all the things that are going on in the outside? Because it's like you have this that's going on and that. And it's hard, especially as Yellowstone just premiered on Sunday. We had, um, you know, we were having a lot of these conversations because it's like, how do you how do you try to promote the show in this climate that's on, you know, and that's the thing. And that was something else for myself that I had to go like. You know, there's even some PR stuff that I was like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing it because I want it to not fall tone deaf and just pretend like everything's great. And the only thing that matters is our new show that's coming out, Uh, (laughs) which is so which is totally not fair. But I know exactly what you're talking about working with uh, some folks I'm lucky to work with. You have um, everybody. First off, you have COVID. And then most recently you have uh, just, I won't even call it unrest. We have change happening before our yeah. eyes. And yeah. you people actually need entertainment more so than right. we actually, we realize. But you're right. You don't want to, it's not even risking the tweet or whatever. I'm sure you're very confident right. in yourself and yeah. what you do. But it's the point, yeah, but the point is, is like, you don't want to be like, one tweet is like, uh, you know, remember George Floyd. And then the next one is like, be sure to tune in on Sunday, which yeah, is so not fair if somebody's going to judge you. But <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, it's a very, um, it's a real fine line. I know, um, you know, I'm very, uh, one of the things that you know, I think a lot of people, as I've done more interviews, um, I'm very, very transparent and I just say what it is and I don't really, I don't apologize for the things that I say because it comes from a, a place that's grounded and rooted in something. And uh, most of the things that I talk about, I back it up with scripture. So you're never really arguing or debating with me. I just, this is just what it is. And so it is very difficult because you say you have opinions and, and then, you know, your, your opinions are creating some great conversations. And then in the middle of that kind of echo chamber, you're like, and by the way, on Sunday, I'll be live tweeting about Yellowstone for an hour and 15 minutes. And the only thing that I'll be doing is blasting 35 streets out about what's happening. On- so right. It is like a very. Hey, um, still got to eat, guys. Like, you know, it's a, you know, and it's a thing where, you know, like you were saying, it's like you want to be able to provide an opportunity where you have some source of entertainment. And it's also very strange for me because so many people will interview me and be like, he seems like he's like anti-entertainment. And it's not that I'm anti-entertainment in any way. It's more so of like, I'm very much of like, I just don't, I think that we can oftentimes get very, very distracted by things. And when we get so distracted, we then become very shocked when other things happen, right? And I think that, you know, one of the biggest examples of this is what's been going on now, just kind of with, like you were saying, a lot of the change and some of the unrest where more people are wanting to kind of talk about the injustices that have gone on. And, you know, one of the things that's always was very interesting for me from the very beginning was, you know, people were like, well, you know, Dan, how come you're not talking about this? How come you're talking about this? And it was like, well, because this has always been happening. You know, it wasn't like this. It wasn't a, this didn't just start happening. And just because now certain groups of people decide that they now want to talk about it, I then don't have to stop what I'm doing, what I decide to talk about, because now they want to acknowledge it. I'm not laughing. I'm like, I just, yeah, that's the, man, what a, and if you can't relate to that, just think about, like, if your toe has been bothering you for 10 years, and then all of a sudden other people realize that your toe hurts, and you're like, they're like, well, so what was it like being born with a sore toe? Yeah, so so, so talk to me about it. Like, I want to learn about what, like, like, how did you do all the things that you did? why you had a bad toe and it was right. like I, you know and you get it there's a there's a there's a niceness about it but for me i'm 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 at the the point in my life where 
you know, there's things that if you weren't going to talk about it before, us talking about it now when there's mass media attention behind sure. it, to me, falls very disingenuous in a way. And so then I don't want to add to that. Like, if you really want to have a conversation about it, we have to have a full conversation about it. I'm not going to give you um, what I like to call the sugar to your ears conversation. <laughs> and until you're, you know, and unless you're kind right. of ready to yeah. really dive down that hole, well, then just... You know, you have plenty of people that you can go to that will give you that. It's just that's not something that that I, I care to do. Yeah, and it's it is too. Again, like if you if we're just talking, if we're talking Black Americans, think about sometime that you heard something shitty happen, and then do the math on the like count backwards from that. I'm in St. Right. Louis. I am right. uh, 15 minutes from Ferguson, yeah. which is yeah. like that, and I'm like. That was six years ago. Do you know how yeah. long six years ago is? That's yeah. so long for people yeah. to feel like nothing's been done. So, right. yes, I, yeah, I, I see that. And um, maybe it is good that you are so busy that you can <laughs> you don't have to spend well, time, uh, you know. You know. It, it's funny because, you know, I, 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 you know, I have such um, the opinions that I have, especially when it comes to that. You know, it's so different because, you know, one of the things is it's the fact that, you know, there's 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 hard realities, you know, mm -hmm. and the hard part about when you want to have conversations, it's like we want we've been so kind of indoctrinated in America, especially to have the American exceptionalism of that. We just if we just say that it didn't exist, then it really did, didn't exist. And then we get everybody else to just kind of agree with that. And so then when you're a person that's like, well, here's history, here's what it looked like. We've been so indoctrinated at for so long to just be like, well, no, that didn't exist. And then when you're pressed upon them, you're like, okay, well, explain to me how that which I'm explaining to you didn't exist. They can't because they don't, it's not backed up with anything. And so like you were saying with the Ferguson, it, it was only six years ago, but it was a major, it was a major situation. Buildings were burning down. Huge. And the, you know, the same things that we saw, you know, with the, that were the protests that were going on in Minneapolis and a lot of the other places. And where because of this is kind of goes back to what I was saying before, because we're in, in a time now where there's no NBA and there's no MLB, there's no like training camp for the NFL. There's not, you know, red carpets and all this kind of other entertainment because that's all been stripped away there's much more of a focus well when said something happens you know yeah. and so that's when when i was when i was talking about it before about how people say that i'm anti-entertainment it's not that it's just the fact of oftentimes we can get so plugged in with sports and entertainment that we then lose sight of what's actually going on in the real world because our attention spans just like this right it's just always the next thing where now, because there is no basketball game to tune into, there is no playoffs that's going on, now you don't really have much of a choice. Like, if you turn on your TV, this is all there is. Right. You know? So, so there, you know, Trust me, if the, yeah, if the yeah, Cardinals yeah. are playing on a Tuesday, like, there's going to be way less protesters in St. Louis. Like, that's right, a reality. Right. You know, and, and during this time, you know, we're in June, this is the time when the NBA, I mean, shoot, I think the NBA Finals technically should have actually been starting i believe if the nba was existing so it's like if you had the nba finals during this time how much is going like you know how much attention is really being served you know so these are those types of things that you know it becomes a beauty but for me as an artist it also becomes an opportunity towards like how are you going to be using your platform are you going to be using your platform to further try to entertain people or but or to also be able to use it to educate on your history but then also be able to have it come from a different way, you know, where one of the things like, you know, for the zoo, you know, it, it predates and it's talking about other things that were happening before we even got here during the transatlantic slave trade in 1619. You know, these are all those are things where so much of our American history, especially for people of color in our history books has been, well, black history started in 1619. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. You know, but this is kind of these harsh realities. So, yeah. you know, this is what I try to, you know, use this platform to be able to do. And I've been really blessed to be able to be a part of a phenomenal, you know, group of like Yellowstone with the Paramount Network, who's been very, very supportive um, of myself and my voice um, and not trying to like hamper down and be like, hey, you don't say this. It's just like, dude, you know, you're a man, you're an individual. This is what you do. And it's, you know, it's really beautiful to be, you know, be able to just 
say what it is and you know it, it is what it is you know yeah here, here we are and you can't like the reason that you're celebrating that if people would ever be confused like that's not always that common like companies yeah. are self preserve yeah. they they self-preserve yeah. and it's not even yeah. necessarily this or that and you know what you are seeing more companies stand out and be like yeah go do that it, yeah. They're just they're going to serve themselves, so that is a big deal that Paramount is uh, is supporting you and is behind you on that. So that that is such a great point too. I even think about um, a year ago here, keeping it local to St. Louis, the the Stanley Cup, the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Like, do you, nobody was working. Like nobody, all right. they did, <laughs> you just right. fill the streets and you just go watch right. hockey. And it, like right. that's what happens. Same with Los Angeles. I'm sure anytime the Lakers yeah, are even yeah. sniffing the playoffs. Oh. So oh it's, my gosh. yeah, it, it's crazy, man. But I, I, so back to this, so back to the zoo, back to the book, back to all yeah. of these things. So in my experience, there's a few different types of creatives. Um, there are people that can show up, you know, maybe they, maybe they audition, they just regularly work. Right. But then there's other people that go out and create and kind of take control of the business side and continue creating what was it that pushed you into the more I'm going to do everything? Because you're not just acting in the zoo. Like that, I just I, I just do the man hours when I see these things. I'm like, that's a heck of a commitment. Like that's people. So that's another thing that just floors me because I'm so lucky myself to get to work with so many talented people. But I'm yeah. telling you, the people you see on TV, the people you see selling out venues, all those things maybe they get away with having a really awesome manager who drops their yeah. everything at every corner. Maybe. But then you yeah. probably read about them getting hosed by that manager 30 right. years later. But the right. point is, yeah, right. as somebody who seems to be controlling a lot of your own destiny, I guess maybe what drove you that way, has it always been that way? Was there any kind of an awakening? When did you turn 30 and be like, I can't just be uh, in shape and show up for things. Like I got to do more. <laughs> I'm just, you know, that's, you that's a realization you have. It's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful question. And it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the reality of it, it, it's funny, you know, I've been, you know, my entire life, I've always been an artist. I, you know, since I was five years old, um, I, you know, I, the first time, you know, I, I tell a story all the time. I was in kindergarten. You'd be part of these little, you know, little crappy plays that you would be in. You'd wear a sign. <laughs> stone soup. In front of yeah, I was in you, you stone know, soup. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, it was like, you know, we, we had these things at the school that I was at where we would do these school families every Friday. And, you know, so in every grade, K through eight, they would do a thing. And then all the school, you know, the entire school would come together and, you know, they'd tell me, okay, you know, we're going to do this. And you just... At this moment, you just walk to the front of the stage and you just stand there. That's all you have to do. And I was like, cool. But then when I saw the parents and the teachers and all the kids from all the other grades, <laughs> I just couldn't just walk up with the side and just stand there. So I'm moving around the stage, just messing the whole thing up. And so one of the, the teachers, it was a choir teacher, said, you know, uh, went to my parents and were like, you know, your son is very... Um, energetic uh, for lack of better words and uh you know was this before or after they just hammered you with uh ritalin the second you had too much energy you know it, it, the funny thing is it's like my family was really good i never took anything they never put me on anything and they were always very just like this is kind of how he is like he's just just like he's just on deal with it and so i went and um they there's this performance and they wanted me to go and sing there's like 600 people i went and sang at five years old and the audience just lit up and I was just, I loved that feeling of seeing them and impacting them in that emotional way. And so I always wanted to do that. And so I had gotten more into theater and then, you know, branched into musical theater and did like over 20 something musical theater shows. Love that. And then I, when I wanted to get into the transition to television and film commercial, couldn't do it. Just could not. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many doors were slammed in my face. I couldn't tell you how many no's. How old were you at this point? Man, I think when I really was trying to make the crossover the first time, I think I was 17. Um, and I had but I mean, done, technically, I, technically 12 years of experience, yeah. like technically, yeah, right? Yeah, of just of just being out and just being in theater. But the problem was, you know, the camera is, you know, is that big, you know? And so when yeah. you're doing musical theater, you're singing, you're dancing, there's lights, there's all these other things. And whatever you're feeling, you can just go with it. There's really no wrong thing. It's just a different choice on a different night. Um, and massive emotional difference too. Massive, oh, it, massive. It, 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 it's it's all in the eyes, and you know you're telling a 17 year old kid that walking into these agents' rooms and stuff like that, and 
you know, and it's so funny because it was like I had been laughed at out of rooms and this out of the third and people thought I had speech impediments because I would get nervous and all these other things. Um, and so it was a really, really difficult reality um, where I was like, oh, maybe this isn't for me, but I knew that it was for me. Um, but it wasn't, it just knew that my path was going to end up being very, very different. Um, and so as I kind of got older, I think it was like in 2012, I had, um, I was sitting in my apartment, had no money, nothing or whatever. And for, I had this for years of my life. I mean, I've had, you know, negative money in my bank account and slept in my car and did that whole thing. Like it hasn't, it wasn't always just turn the switch on and then you just off and run, like not that at all. Right. Um, you know, and it's a very, very humbling experience, but I was always a creative. Like I said, I knew that I was always here to be a vessel. And so, you know, I was sitting down in 2012 and I was like, I really want to create something that's meaningful. That's something that means something. Um, because I, I knew that I was always going to be more than just an artist that I was going to use whatever platform I had to really tell stories. Um, and so one of the things I was watching Schindler's List when I was in 2012, and at the end of Schindler's List, some, it some was- light, you know, light viewing. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some very, some very, uh, so, you know, some everyday, you know, just a board on a board you on know, Friday. Classic <laughs> weekend Friday. For, a, for a cool guy in Los Angeles, yeah. For, yeah. For, yeah, for a 23 year old, you know, just hanging out. You know, well, it was, either, really it was either surf with models or Schindler's List. So, okay, good, yeah, so I'm I, glad. So I picked mm. the latter. Well, it was like between that and then, you know, creating my own, you know, creative player on Madden after winning nine oh, Super Bowls. Obviously, so, obviously, like, right. Yeah, franchise yeah, mode. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, like all, but all Madden and the sticks were all the way up to 100. So yeah, right. it was really serious. Um, you know, and so at the end of it, it was talking about, you know, there's like 7 million Jews that were killed and, you know, persecuted the thing. And in that moment, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if there was any people of color that were also thrown into that mix. I'm not. Sa I'm not sad enough. I need. To, I need to self-identify with this atrocity more. Well, it's, it's really funny because it's always like people. When I started creating this and started going down this thing, you know, my family. It's like I've always been a very, very intense individual. Like I'm the type of person that it's like everyone's running around and they're having, you know, what they what they deem to be a really, really good time, and I'm not really saying anything, and then. They ask me a question and then I kind of like bring the reality of all this. Like I'm the, like the best way to look at it is like I'm the type of person that everyone's running around the room celebrating and hanging out like denim. So what do you think about this? And I'm just like, none of it matters. Oh, great. Like I'm that person. Nihilist. Um, got it. And, and, not, and it was and it was the thing of like. It, when I was younger, I didn't really understand why I was like that. And it wasn't, it was just like, I'm very, very, like I get very, very connected. Like for history, especially, I've always been very, very connected to the history. And I always felt that it was very strange that I always had a very myopic view of what our history has been. Because we didn't have, you know, growing up, I didn't have all of these amazing people to identify with. I mean, for instance, you know, for people that are white and X, Y, and Z, it's like, you know, when you're talking about your history, you're like, we had Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and we wanted change. That's important. Had, you know, that, you know that, like, the, yeah, exactly. Well, think like think about that. Like, think think about that. Think of how many, and this is this is the thing too. I, I'm actually very, I, I don't tell people how to live. I don't, I'm just kind of like, uh, whatever <laughs> to most right. people, yep. but I'll, I'll, I'll write a wrong. Like I, I wouldn't right. stand for people doing things. My point is I can, however, see where people are like, no, 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 this isn't matching up. So the point that you're making and I thought about this earlier, but I was like, yeah, it's not really time to jump in on this. Think about, think about you. If you have, we'll just say Irish, Italian, Think about how proud you are to tell people your grandma made Irish right. food, uh, made right. German food, Italian food. Right. Black people in America don't have that. Like we don't. We don't. We're, we're not given anything. Right. No. And that's we're, we're, we're told our history started in 1619, and then anybody that we saw that was respectable, right? That that was respected by other people were Martin Luther Kings or sometimes depending on who it was malcolm x depending on what side of the aisle it was but then those people also got assassinated so you didn't really have this amazing opportunity right. to really sit there and go oh i want to be like these people because if you were an intellectual 
and thought for yourself, you were told that, well, if you do that, you'll be killed because of it. And then if you didn't go that, that route, then it was like, well, you either become an athlete or a rapper or an entertainer, right? This is, or you become the entertainment. And so it was very, very interesting as I've been on this kind of evolutionary ride that I've just been used to go on. And that's where the zoo kind of came in where, you know, during this time, it was the fact of so much of our history has been just eradicated from us even though it's important and what we're seeing now in today's society and this is kind of how everything ties in like we started our conversation with about you know using this platform and because of like the zoo and what it's about you know we had like what we know in the united states you had like the tuskegee project that was going on during the south right where you had all these hundred thousands of of men and women being injected with syphilis well what what i'm talking about in the zoo in the zoo during the time of Nazi Germany, um, what was also going on is you had during World War II, you also had Africa being this entire uh, landing spot for all these different countries around the world to not only make bases, but to also go and take from. While we're, while, we're here, while we're here, while we're here. I mean, right, yeah. can't just like, can't hey, just I, deliver I, soldiers. It's like you, you can't, like yeah, we can't just let them go through. Why not? Why why don't we also take the gold and why don't we also take the diamonds? And so you know, one of the things that that happened, like for instance, like in Belgium, the 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 entire castles in Belgium and X Y and Z, that all happened from King Leopold. But that came on the back of King Leopold going into Congo and killing ten to fifteen million men, women, and children for their rubber and taking the rubber out of, out of Congo and selling it. And that's where you got your tires and your things and X, Y, and Z. And then he took that money and built all the things that he built in Belgium, right? And so people are like, oh, this is so beautiful. And it's like, yeah, but that came from something, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's all of these different things. And so one of the things that we, I talk about in the zoo is during this time of Nazi Germany, one of the things is that you were getting all of these European countries along with the United States as well that were going into Africa you know, dividing up the different countries. And they're like, okay, well, you'll take the cocoa and you'll take the diamonds and this out of the third, and then we'll kind of do a do do or whatever. And that's why you see, you know, in West Africa, it's very French speaking, you know, in other parts you have other. So what also ended up happening is a lot of them- How do they died. speak Portuguese in Mozambique? <laughs> right, right, right. What? You know what I mean? And it's you just, speak it, what? And, 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 and these are the things that people just, there's no thought process because the cognitive dissonance, because it's never taught. It's just right. an assumed thing that it just like, yeah, this is just what happened. Like it just popped up. But what was happening is you were getting so many of these European countries, these men that were going in there and they were dying. And they're like, like we can't, they couldn't last with the heat. They couldn't deal with the different diseases and the different atmospheres. And so what they would do is that they would take these men and they would experiment on them. And they would throw them into these zoos and in these experimental camps. And they would open up their skin and burn them and dunk them in cold water. And they would just experiment on them in the hopes to break some type of genetic makeup, some type of genetic code that they could then give to their soldiers to then be able to go in and completely colonize Africa. That was the whole goal. So that's what I talk about a lot in the zoo. But then we also expand upon the other differences of the the light-skinned blacks versus the dark-skinned blacks and what that situation is, because that's something that was taught to us by the Willie Lynch letters. And this is the thing, a lot of people don't know about who Willie Lynch is, or whatever what he did, but he wrote these letters that talked about how to keep blacks in slavery and in bondage, not by physically, but mentally. And uh, and that's the way that you did it. And so part of it was also being able to pawn the light skin against the dark skin. And so what I've been able to be blessed with, with, with the zoo is be able to give you a nice 23 minute short version because the feature film version will come out much later um, to talk about all these things but then to also give us our, our, the kings and the queens and our princes and princesses that are running around America with no identity to understand, guys, before 1619, we were kings and we were queens, we were innovators, we were scientists, we were mathematicians, we were you know, geographers, we, were, we did everything. We had, we had everything. We were, in, we were in Ireland, we were in Asia, we were in all these different places predating all of these things. And so we come from a phenomenal history. We come from royalty, but we don't know that because it's all been taken away. And so what it's become for me is it's been an opportunity with the zoo and with this to be able to kind of have this platform to be able to say, look, we're running around constantly sitting here going like, we, you know, we want this, we want that. And it's like, it's very, very hard 
to be asking institutions for equality or for fairness when it was never created for that, right? When the institution of itself, when you had, you know, a person like Thomas Jefferson, who everyone lauds and, you know, wrote the Declaration of Independence and all men are created equals, yet he had, you know, hundreds of slaves, right? Like, it's like, it's, it's a complete, it's like a, it's, it's a complete paradox of the way that it works where, you know, we're also in the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights, you also said that, you know, black people were three-fifths human. So it's like you weren't even, so it's like all men are created equal, except it wasn't written for us. So now we're in this time where we don't have the education, we don't understand. And until we kind of understand how all these things work, you can't really have any type of real change because you don't know where you came from. So if you don't know where you came from and what you were doing beforehand, you don't know where you're going. We're just kind of wandering around as almost like these empty vessels, banging and banging and banging. And you're just like, what are you asking for? You know, you're asking for acknowledgement. Well, we've been marching for hundreds of years and what has marching gotten us, right? So it's like, these are these types of things that I hope to be able to, you know, be able to talk about with the zoo, but then to also just use this platform to be able to further educate, to have a much more in-depth conversation. Cause I think it's important. Everyone has their way that they like to communicate. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. I like to be able to get into history because it's very, very difficult to misprove history. Um, you know, and it's not emotional. It's just like you can go and you can go do the research and you can go. And in 2020, we're, we have the most access to information and we have the most time on our hands to do research. Now it right. just becomes once you're given this truth, you either want to acknowledge it and do the research for yourself or you just want to say, oh, it didn't exist. And I'll just end this, this point on this. Also with the zoo, um, it's also a double entendre because here in America, as well as all the other countries in the world, they actually set up physical zoos for people of color where they would take these families and these men, women, and children for Africa, and they would set up like museums, if you will, and, you know, recreate an environment that it would be in Africa. And people would go and buy tickets just to go and see men, women of color interacting behind a glass, children, feeding, you know, feeding off of their, you know, being breastfed from their mom. And they sold millions and millions and millions of tickets. And so that's why the tagline for the zoo is like, the zoo is never just for animals. Because when you're sitting here, and again, this was happening all the way up into the 50s. Denim, so yeah. St. Louis, you know where I mean? I'm at, 1904 World's Fair. There's, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, ab it was absolutely. Yeah. Like, like a absolutely. And one of your biggest one, the most well-known one was in New York City, right? But this was happening and you sold millions of tickets. They made hundreds of millions of dollars putting people of color behind cages to just see them interacting. So it just becomes this thing to where it's like, hey, we have to have these conversations, not because I want you to sit here and tell me what was me, X, I, you, you telling me what was me doesn't do anything for me. What it does is that if you, if you also want to say, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, well, then you have to either know or you have to not know, right? Like <laughs> you can't have it both ways. And it's, and that, I think that's where the disconnect is because you will, you'll have someone like we, we'll see blanket statements or they'll be taken as a blanket statement. Everyone internalizes it. You make it about yourself. And then all of a sudden you're not listening because you're like, I haven't ever done that to somebody. I haven't ever done right. this. I'm, but then I'm you're a not a good person. So yeah. I've never done it. Yeah. yeah I haven't done that. Right. I'm not, I'm white guilt. Go, you know, get out of here. Like do that, whatever. That's how people, that, but that's how it is. But then, yeah. Yeah. but if you truly are a fan of empathy and being good to other people and you do want things to just, like, okay, there are certain things that have worked, but that's because of these other things that these people are mad about. Not even, you can't even say mad about, it. it's just that having experience because of that. All you have to do is just think about, I would like, well, I didn't have anything to do with that. What, what's everybody mad about? It's like, right. tell me what you do in a month. Just give me a general schedule. And people would say, well, I like to get together and, uh, I play bocce ball with my family or I go play golf right. or I go do this right. or at Christmas we do this and my fondest memories of my family are, are cooking mm. this ham. Well, then you're, mm. then you, okay, okay, back that up. What's that from? Okay, right. so that happened where because that of your, your, where you're from and where now imagine that you don't have that. <laughs> well, imagine, and, and that's the, 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 and that's, you hit the nail on the head. It's so funny because, you know, part of the thing, you know, even where we talk about, you know, the, the Christmases and the Thursdays and all these other things. And part of it, it was like, you know, we have Independence Day that's, you know, that's, that's coming up, right? 
And again, uh, how's that? How's that gonna go? How's the? It, how's it, it gonna, gonna be, go? It's, it's been be, bubbling it's, it's, for it's years. Been a very, very interesting thing because I think that you know when you when you're in a position, and again, this becomes this you when you're somebody like myself, you end yeah. up just going like you can't dip your toe into it. It's like you're either all in it, you're all out of it. And so, for instance, you know, you have the Independence Day that's coming up, and it's you know it's the day of our independence. But that was the day of certain people's independence. It wasn't the day of my ancestors' independence because during that time, when they had families got together, our ancestors were chained up. And they were chained up in a basement or in a cabin somewhere while the other families, after they had gotten done cooking for them, that's what they were going to do was celebrate their independence. And so what happens is it becomes this thing to where you get into it, but then you don't even understand what it is that you're celebrating. You don't even understand what it is. And it's not too, well, come on, that was in the past. It's like, no, no, no. For certain, it's not that long ago in the past, but you also have to understand that, you know, we had, for instance, like Tulsa, one of the biggest things that has always driven me crazy is, you know, I, you get a lot of people that sit there and they, it's, very, and it's the ignorance and I don't even really pay any attention to them, but it's important to have context where it's just like, well, you know, if black people would just kind of, you know, stop complaining and just build something. And it was like, we did build something. It was called Tulsa. We had 600 businesses. We had banks, we had hospitals, we had fire, we had everything, 600 businesses. And it was firebombed. It was firebombed. And during that time, started also, because it was like a fake accusation of someone getting in front of someone else or shoving and, someone and, else and, or something. Yeah, and this is, and this is just, and it's all, what it happens is, is that when you're not opting into a society, right? Because one of the biggest things was, see, you have to understand that during when slavery happened and when slavery quote unquote ended. And again, like, you know, everyone lauds Abraham Lincoln, but he's also the person that said, if he could have ended it without freeing any slaves, he would have done it. This is what he said, not what I said. And again, that doesn't fall, that doesn't help the narrative of lauding him for all of his achievements. But it's like, this is, it, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. Like you have to pull out of the emotional aspect of it. And that's the problem. We're so, we're so tribalistic about all of our beliefs of everything that it's like there's yeah, no room for yeah. critical thinking right. because everyone just wants to be emotional about everything. And it's like if you pull out of the emotional and you just go, this just was what it was. And the sooner that you can get out of that, the sooner we can actually have a conversation. But if you're so set that it was like this, well, then there's no point. And so what happens is, is that during slavery, what they created was they created slave patrols. Slave patrols were created for, well, if you had a runaway slave, then we got to get these men on horses, and this is what they're going to do. And they had the same badges that the sheriff's departments have today. That's how it breed it. That's the way that it, that's the way that it just kind of evolutionized over this time. So this is what happens is then when you start to get into why is there, you know, we have this fear of the police and X, Y, and Z that everybody else doesn't have to do. And it was like, because it's also been indoctrinated in the fabric of the way that police have been trained because it's their great, great grandfathers that started these slave patrols. And then they own these businesses and these corporations, these companies, and then they have grandkids and this is how way that it goes. That's just life. That's the way that it works. It's called evolution. And so because of that, we end up having all of these different situations, scenarios that people are just like, well, we didn't, like you said, we didn't have anything to do with it. You know, well, we, you know, we, you know, back in the day, we stood up for our farm and we were trying, and it's like, yeah, but who worked that farm? You know, well, my grandfather, great, great grandfather, he built businesses and he did this. And, yeah. you know, our family built it from the ground up. It was like, but who built that building? Right? right. Like who put those railroad tracks? Who got that cotton for your, you know, even for something like you were talking about the going back to what you're saying about the German food and Irish food. One of the most beautiful things about that is, you know, this is what I try to tell our, our young kings and queens and princes and princesses is that we're so innovative that back in the day during that time when they were giving us scraps, we created soul food from it. They right. took that soul food, monopolized it, and then made billions of dollars off of it. That's where you get your fried chicken and your collard greens and X, Y, Z. That's what it's called slave food. It was the bare minimum of the table scraps that we were given. And we were able, were able to take that, season that thing up, make it a meal so much so that they sat there and like, yo, this is bomb. Let's go ahead and grab that. <laughs> Let's go ahead and grab that from them. Let's go ahead and slap a patent on that. And then we'll make billions of dollars, right? So it becomes a thing to where it's like, it doesn't, it's not just like Daniel just wants to sit around right. and talk about like how bad everything is, but it's talk about like, you have to understand that we were also master masons. The fact that because we were so uneducated and yet you could show us something that you wanted us to build 
and we didn't have to look at a map. We could just build it, right? Like this is what we were able to do. All these buildings and everything that were built, we didn't have anything because remember that we were uneducated. It wasn't that we were uneducated. We came from a different land where we were speaking a different language. It's no different than if you took everybody out in America and put them in, you know, Malawi, right? To speak to Chewa, you would sit there and you go, well, look at these 300 million people that are all uneducated. It's like, no, what? they're just in a different land <laughs> right. where they're speaking a completely different tongue. Like it's very, yeah. very simple, you know, but it just shows that if we can understand us as a society and us as a community to understand what we have been able to innovate, but then also on the other side of it, where you have the, our, the white counterparts, if you will, if they would be more willing and understanding of the fact of you're not helping the narrative by then just saying, oh, well, because I'm a good person, I didn't have anything to do with it. At some point, somewhere down the line, someone benefited from, you know, from that somewhere. And that's just the reality of it. And that's the hard line that a lot of it has to take. Because remember, we also had the, the, you know, the housing act where it didn't matter how much money we had. They just said, you're not allowed to buy a house here. Well, that right, and like you know. every point that you make too, as I sit um, in St. Louis, I mean, Pruitt, I go, or it's like, wasn't far from here. That was just a historically, like, and you were talking about Tuskegee experiments. They, they admitted to like gassing neighborhoods here, like testing stuff. Like this, it was, it was, wasn't 10,000 years ago. This is when you're, you're, this is when you're, you're, your, your grandparents were like yeah. in their twenties. Like this is not. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a weird thing to kind of come to terms with, like uh, give people that, but at the same time, like nobody's perfect, all this stuff. But we are at that point to where art, like your like your film, can tell that story, and then hopefully what it will do is obviously it, it's meant to entertain to whatever right. degree, but it can educate. Right. But at the same time you're given that chance, you go earn that, um, you get production behind it, you do all these things, you go out and you do a podcast at uh, midday on a Wednesday to, to spread the word. The, the point would be is hopefully that's able to be parlayed and then somebody with a mind like yourself can continue piecing things together like that because not, no one's gonna listen if you just whack them on the hands and say, you're gonna yeah. fix this now, but it, it yeah. takes it's, it's art like that. People don't, you know, and it was the one thing it was like people, I, I learned very early on that people don't want the guy that's standing on the corner with the megaphone. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. because again, it's just, it's so difficult. And so what happens is you have to, you know, one of the things that I've always been, this is in scriptures, like a lot of the beautiful things that always happen, they always happen off site. You know, one of the greatest things that were going on is like David had all these things when he was in a cave, you know, off site away from everything. He had no choice. He like, he was by himself kind of isolated. But you have to, it, with within your own isolation and within your own opportunity to kind of sit with yourself, and this is kind of what Mastering the Mind was about, was to be able, when you kind of unplug from everything and you don't allow yourself to constantly be swayed by all these different narratives because it's somebody that you have grown up to like because it's a celebrity or because it's an athlete or it's because of this and because they say something, now because you like the way that they act or you like the way that they play basketball or you know score a touchdown, you automatically just go, oh, I agree with him without doing any type of research. <laughs> or, and, you know, and it's funny, it, it is funny because, yep. like, we laugh because it's sad because we know that it's true. Because we're simple, also, simple little animals. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the part that's hard. And so one of the things, like you're saying, is I had to learn to be, you know, what you have to do is you have to pull back out of it oftentimes and just say, let's just write something. Let's create it. Let's build a team. And let's do it through a form of what everybody loves and enjoys. And they all love entertainment. Everybody, the one thing that everybody does love, like you were saying in the beginning of the conversation is people love entertainment. They love to get lost in something. So sure. for my thing was if, I, if I'm blessed with the opportunity to ever branch out, and this answers the, the, the further question again, that, um, that if I was ever blessed with the opportunity to be able to not only be an artist in this, this entertainment industry, which is very, very difficult, uh, to be, you know, to be a part of and to be able to have any type of real opportunities in, you know, that's why it's just, it's, it's really a blessing by the most high that I wanted to be able to take that and not just sit on it and go, okay, well, how much more can I get? But then say, okay, well, how much more can I give? At what point can I flip this around and become a servant to it and say, okay, well, now I can take this and go, this is an opportunity to start building my own stories also in a way 
to where I can begin to be able to get something, be able to build a team because now, you know, because of this, and this is how all the things parlay. And this is what to any of your viewers that want to do anything, um, you know, seed time and harvest, like you don't really understand certain journeys that you're on until you're on the journey, until you're looking back in the journey. Right. And I think one of the greatest things for me is it's so much better to have foresight than it is to have hindsight. And, sure. you know, one of the great things is, you know, you have to be patient. You have to be willing to put in this work. You have to be willing to just, if you believe in something, you have to be willing to believe in all of it. If you, you know, you want the harvest, but you also have to enjoy the plowing part of it. And if you don't enjoy the plowing, you'll never appreciate the harvest because you'll put the seed in the ground, you'll water it once or twice, you'll be like, where's my harvest, right? And that's not it. And so one of the things about which you'll know by starting this and doing this, the amount of work, oh. the ideas that you have and the time and the yeah. nose and the this, that it just becomes a thing to where it's like whenever you have the opportunity, you have to just take advantage of the opportunity. And I've been very, very fortunate, very, very blessed to be able to be on a great show like you know Yellowstone that has afforded me the opportunity to not only build my platform or whatever through my craft and through amazing show and amazing writing in a show that there's not a lot of other TV shows I'd rather be on, to be perfectly honest. It's a great show that you get to be out in the wilderness and ride horses and be with just great people overall. But a show that is really about talking about things that are a little bit more edgier, you know what I mean? That sure. do really kind of hinge on things. So it kind of was nice to be able to take this and then also say, well, I get to also now create my own things for educational purposes, but then also do it through a form of entertainment. And then when I'm promoting it, I can also then use that platform where people are a little bit more apt to wanting to listen and pay attention because they're like, oh, well, you're also that guy that's on that show and you also have that film and the thing. So it kind of becomes this thing to where you're like, you know, the guy on the street you don't really want to listen to because he's not really backed up, not because he doesn't have great wisdom, but because the way our society has been built, it's like, unless you have been known for doing something, people are just like, well, what legitimacy does he have? Because if what, if what he's saying is so true, why doesn't he, why isn't he on anything? You know, it's like it's that can be a that's what a what a wise thing to say because that can be applied to anything. Like think you could right. be you could be you can apply it to sport. Did you play sports at yeah. all? Like I okay I I, pl ba I played basketball and football. Okay, I played basketball and did some martial arts stuff. And I'm just like, I think about this and I'm like, you could have a genius who maybe never played that well or they weren't that great. And it's so funny. And then you could get someone, like if you're just talking about coaching um, and then you'll have right. someone come in that, you know, they played at a JUCO for half a season, whatever it is. And then they're like, well, oh, he was a college player. I'm like, well, can he communicate? Like, I don't know. Can they, right. can, right. can they do that? Right. So it, it's right. funny to think right. about that because I'm thinking about all the different things. It applies to comedy. Think about how many, and this is to the general public, like think mm -hmm. about how many people that you know, Denim, say you, say you blow up, like your character has a huge thing and you just become a, a household name tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And if it was a, maybe a funny scene in a TV show you were in or something like that, mm -hmm. if your agent was like, hey, uh, I think you could sell out comedy clubs if you did a one-man show, right. we should do this. People will buy those tickets to be like, "Yeah, we're right. gonna go see this." You're not a comic. Yeah. You don't do. You right. don't. You don't know what you're right. doing, stand up wise. Right. But but right. people people will you will buy into right. that. Be, and Absolutely. you see it with reality TV. Like, wait a second. Absolutely. Did I just take advice from somebody who's famous from like doing a shot out of another person's ass? Like what? Like right. what right. is no, it? What? No, no exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like you're, you're, the whole mission is to be on an island and see who you cannot sleep with. Right. Like it's you know, and that's a, right. it's a hard. You know, and it's a hard thing because, you know, I've always, you know, I, I've always appreciated the thing. But the one of the always things that I've always found difficult was like, you know, you talk to certain people and they have these opinions and then you see them doing other things. And you're like, well, that's completely against the opinions that you had. And it's always because you, you're always trying to walk this fine line between, you know, appeasing a fan base, right? Like you're always trying to appease one yeah. side and you're, and you're afraid of one day getting that phone call. They're like, hey, uh, bridge too far and you can't do this you can't you know right. and, and like you're saying and then also for for everyone if you're not grounded in my opinion like just even taking the thing what you're saying you do a funny scene like go do a one-man show well if you're so like i didn't i never got into the entertainment industry i never wanted to do entertainment because i wanted to be on billboards and to do any of those things it doesn't it was like it's something that's like if it happened then great but i hope cool. that i'm also doing something i hope that what i'm doing outside of that is much more impactful much more meaningful and don't ever get looked at as like, oh, he's the guy that's on a billboard. Because it's like, 
to me, for me personally, there's there's no there's no fulfillment in that. Um, especially there's no definitely no spiritual fulfillment. I become like an idol, which is what I'm completely against. Like I don't idolize anybody. Um, it, I, I idolize no man. I definitely don't want to be idolized, and that's why it's like everything that I do. I o always want it to be through a form of when you engage with me or when you see something that you're left with it with more than you came with and it's a thing to where you sometimes you have to say no to some things like you're saying if you go do a one-man show it's like sometimes there's a lot of people that have done that taken that route and their careers have tanked because it was like bad advice bro like right you're chasing that you're chasing that carrot you know and it becomes the you you want more and you want more and you want yeah. more and it's like, okay, but oftentimes that rabbit hole doesn't lead anywhere except for less and less and less and further right. away, you know, further it's away. It's your ultimate reality. goal. Yeah. You know, and that's, you're trying to mm. go. so you know? <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's a thing too, that probably too many people uh, fail to realize before it's too late, but in regards to your career, different other things. So would you ever get into politics? You know, I, I think that it's funny. I think that for in my mid twenties, I, I thought about it. I had, I had, was like, man, I feel like that would be something that I, I would enjoy doing, but I feel like I'm much more impactful out of politics because you know, the reality of it, a lot of it's controlled opposition. I just say what it is. It is what it is. Sure. You know, it's you, everybody, you know, everybody goes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you're like, why didn't you tell us about the aliens? Like you were, you were right. saying you were going to, right? Like, come you, know, on. Like, you know, why, you know, why don't you, there's all these things that you, you know, you stand behind these, you know, you have these career politicians that are now it's like, we're going to do something about this, but you've been in politics for 40 years and never touched on this until now people want to talk about it. Right. Like, it becomes a thing to where the reality of it, and again, this word is where um, where I was saying before, where I kind of become that guy in the room where I'm like, let's come on, guys, let's just take the curtain <laughs> off of it and let's call it what it is. Um, right. You know, this is and this is why because it's like you don't get you. There's certain things you're allowed to talk about, and there's certain things you're not allowed to talk about, and that's the reality of the situation. And I didn't, I don't ever want to be in a position where I have where I have to lie to people. Um, I don't like that feeling. I don't like being disingenuous. I don't like feeling as though I can't tell people the truth because the reason why we are in the position that we're in today is because the truth has always been been manipulated from the beginning. And so now what's ended up happening was, and I, I did a tweet about this a couple of weeks ago, I think, and it was like, essentially what has happened was is that, you know, our great, you know, our grandparents, we will have conversations, we'll watch TV oftentimes and be lied to. And then we have conversations with our friends and family members about these same lies. And then we're going and voting on things about these lies, and then these lies become legislation, and then these lies become laws, right? Like, and so, it's and then we, and, and, so and then we disheartening. And we, and we go, why doesn't anything change? And it was like, well, because the root of what you were being told wasn't actually true. And so for me, it's like, <laughs> it's the guy being know, like, do you remember that time I dunked on that dude? I'm like, you couldn't. You couldn't dunk. Like, what do you? Like, what? Bro, like, bro, you're four one. You're four one, and you can't jump rope. And then right. You didn't dunk on anyone. didn't dunk on anyone. Oh no! Didn't like, you hear his grandma talking about it? No, that's. But, uh, no, well, it, it, but it's also just the fact of if I just say that that's what it was, then that's what it is, and because our attention spans are so slow now, right? We have like a ten second attention span. It's like you don't want to go in and research anything because you're just like I just. I can't be bothered, but yet we can all spend four and a half hours flipping through Instagram and just refreshing the feed. It's over, over man. Over again, but it's, it's over. <laughs> so, so that's why for me, I always am like, I feel like if I can just create, you know, if I'm able to create stories and then be able to right. create and be able to come on, you know, great podcasts and stuff like that, I feel like it's much more impactful because you're not being, you're not, you're not being controlled. It's not these, you know, well, you're getting funded from this side. And so because you're getting funded from this side, here are the things you can talk about. And here's the things you can't talk about. Oof. And so that's the thing for me. It's like, it doesn't work, you know what right. I mean? And after a while, if I felt that it was something that was going to be impactful, then I would. But it was like, I get tired of lip service. And at a certain point, <laughs> you go. You, you would be Denim Richards, the, the car salesman, if, if you weren't like the way you are. And you'd, right, sell, right. you'd sell so many cars. You would do well, so great. <laughs> Let me tell you this as a the funny thing. So I remember when I was 11 years old, I was at my grandma's house. This is before she was like, they're going to, she was going to come and live with us um, and selling all this stuff in their house. Right. And so we had this garage sale and they put me out on the lawn 
or whatever, and you have all these people, you put the garage sale up, and oh my gosh, it was like, it, no joke, it would be like a thumbtack, right? And I would run up, and it'd be like a, a, a jar of thumbtacks that they would sell for a dollar, and I'd go up and be like, look, you want these thumbtacks, right? Like these thumbtacks, like here's the thing, you see this, right. you see this quilt that's over there? It's like, oh, well, you really love that quilt. Guess what held that quilt up against the wall? These Thank you. Right. And you want them because this is so imagine this is a part of history. And so I remember after the end of it, I would come and, you know, they let you keep all the money, you know, that you of were course. able to sell. And I always sure. tell out everybody else. And like, you know, <laughs> you if, if, again, like you were saying, you know, if you if if whatever else you decide to do, you can always become a car salesman. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. But it's so funny now to hear you say that because that's the first story that comes to my mind. <laughs> Uh, was this story about me being on the lawn and like selling thumbtacks to like random people? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just, it, it's just people have passions and then they follow those and their skill sets develop around them. So we're lucky that you chose acting, right? Like maybe we'll see some, we'll see some all timers when it's said and done, man. Like the fact that you're, that's the goal. <laughs> the fact that you're creating and, and I'll let you get out of here in just a second, but I'm curious, have you seen anything recently that's inspired you? And then I don't know. Give me your, uh, give me one of your top filmmakers. It doesn't have to be the you it doesn't have to be the end all be all, but give me somebody whose career you wouldn't mind following. Ah oh, man, um, that's a good one. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of what I've watched recently. I haven't had any time. To, I haven't seen anything super recent because I've sure. like, like you said I've kind of been in a little bit in a, in a cave. Um, you know I have. Uh, Frank Darenbont is a is a person sure. that I've enjoyed. That I've uh, I've enjoyed. You know, I've always it, it's so interesting. Like anybody that wants to tell stories about humanity and the hard parts about humanity, especially when they have to do with um, history. Like, uh, uh, man, I'm trying to think now. I can't. My brain is. Over we've been, we've been talking a lot. But, <laughs> um, but um, beautiful man that uh, wrote Men of Honor, uh, directed Men of Honor, and I can't remember. And I'll remember his name the moment this is over. But if you haven't seen Men of Honor, go watch it. It's a, it's a great show, but or a great movie with uh, uh, Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, but anybody that wants to kind of talk about like stories and about the history, right? Uh, and be and is able to put them in a not only historical context, but then also to bring it as a form of entertainment and a form to kind of like help. Grow George George Tillman Jr. George, I looked George it up. Tillman there you go. Thank you, George Tillman Jr. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um. I love I love those types of stories. I love I love being able to kind of take history and put it in today's thing to make it because so much of you know like King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, and that's history always repeats itself, and this is what always happens. So I think it's also a job for me as a person that's been given an opportunity to kind of become. We start to get into t doing my own storytelling is to be able to start creating things that are like that, that are not only historical based, but also in a mode of not only entertainment, but as a way to sit there and go, this happened in 1943, but a lot of the same narrative and a lot of the same emotional states and everything is exactly what's going on today. And that's then to just kind of prompt a conversation. And so for me as a as an artist and as anybody anything that i do that's kind of what i what my goal is for as long as i'm blessed to be able to you know be a part and i, I have such a great team a phenomenal production company of a great great team phenomenal manager who's just yeah. supported um has supported this journey but also you know people like um you know we'll even talk talk about yellowstone like taylor sheridan um and stephen k as well like taylor obviously you know created this thing and directed a lot of the episodes and stephen k executive producer and directed a lot of it as well I've been able to learn so much from the directing standpoint, from the two of them, from the way that they, you know, speak to their actors and the way that they embrace their actors to, so for me going into directing this, a lot, I took a lot of the same things for them because they really want you as an artist to just live fully in whatever it is that you're feeling. There's no wrong answer. There's just a better opportunity. You know, there's just a better way to kind of approach something. And so I, I enjoy those types of filmmakers that really kind of wrap their arms around the artists because, you know, as artists, especially when you're asking them to do really, really deep emotional work, you want them to feel vulnerable. You know, you want them to feel embraced. Sure. So these are also the types of people that it's like, I, I hope to be able to continue to, you know, take those types of principles along with my own principles and my own personal beliefs and be able to kind of parlay those things 
and just kind of, you know, continue to go forward and, and, and do good work for as long as the most high allows me to. How many, how many Kevin Costner questions have you answered since, since you've been part of this? I, I think, it would, I mean, <laughs> if I had, I mean, if I had a penny, uh, I'd probably retire. Right. Uh, You'd own all of St. Louis. <laughs> well, yeah, I, no, exactly. I'd have multiple warehouses. Right. My new production company would probably be there. Sure. The funny thing is that the, the good thing is, is like he's actually a really, really great individual. And, uh, you know, on top of being a great artist, but he's somebody also that, you know, I remember really, really early on, you know, we had this one scene just quickly to touch on this. We had this one, scene sure. with like three, ca three camera setup. Um, and we were sitting there and we we're like, we we're getting ready to do this pen scene. So we we're kind of just sitting on the fence and he was looking around and we were standing there and I don't know what I was doing, just like probably like gnawing on my tongue. And he like looked over <laughs> as you do, asked, of course, yeah, as, as I usually would do. Um, and he had asked one of the, the cameramen, he was like, Hey, um, what, you know, at what point does my shoulder come into frame? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I look over at him and they're just like, oh, okay. And so we're on a dolly. So they're tracking back and they're doing this move and all these other things. And he's like, okay, you, you know, you, your shoulder comes into frame. It's right here. And then he turns to me and he goes, you know, so, you know, just make sure that every single time they're setting these things up that sometimes they're so busy, you know, communicating with each other, getting it right. That sometimes as the actor, you have to know and make sure you're always aware of the moment that you step into frame, the moment that you come on to make sure that you're making the right decisions. So it's like, you know, it's so sometimes it's important that when we're doing these turnarounds, you don't always just like run back to your seat just to sit down and chill and be on your phone. You know, you want to ask. And so it's like, he's such a technician, even at this point in his career, but then to also just turn around and drop that knowledge on me as well, which is then just kind of made me even appreciate the craft even more, which is just a beautiful thing for somebody that's been doing it for four decades, you know, at the, you know, being really at sure. the height of his career for so long to be able to still care about the, the technical part of it, but then to also want to turn and actually drop some dimes on, you know, another generation is also a very beautiful thing. It is too. And what people, you may not realize like that just saved denim, like five, 10 years of screwing up or messing up oh, or, or yeah, not I even told, knowing I told people 20. I told people being on Yellowstone, not only with Taylor and Kevin, but with also, with also like Cole Hauser and Lou Grimes. I mean, just an amazing cast. You know, I've gained 20 years of, of acting experience, 20 years of artistic, because it's like I've seen, I've worked with the best of the best, with the best of the best, with the best cameras, with the best crews, with the best directors, with the, and be able to be on horses and to do all of it. So now it's like when you have to do something that's more in a vacuum, you know, like on a soundstage or something like that, you're like, oh, Man, this is easy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're freaking. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're we're doing, you know, you know, two hundred. We're doing two hundred wild horse runs, you know, with three camera setups on tracks. Like, it's like sometimes you feel like you're filming Jurassic Park on the show. It's like, you know, yeah. you're like tucked away in their freaking RVs and roll cages, and you're just like, where am I? You what is I mean? happening? But it's, like, but it's like that's the beauty. So it's like you know. You gain so much experience, and that's why I just feel so blessed and fortunate to be able to be a part of such an amazing journey. It it builds your own confidence, and it, it's huge, man. So it, yeah. I, I'm I'm happy for you, and it's been very nice getting to know you. Can't do it like we we'll have to do it again, man. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, yeah I feel like there's a good six hours of conversation here uh, that we'll have to <laughs> tackle sometime. Uh, real quick, I, I saw your Instagram. Can people follow you there? Like, what's uh, yeah. what's the best way everyone, to get in everyone, touch? Um, uh, Instagram is just at Denim Richards. Uh, Twitter is at Denim Richards as well. Um, I know it, for anyone that watches this on Sundays, I usually will. I, I don't know how often I do it, but sometimes I do live tweeting from Yellowstone. It is what it is. Um, you know, but Instagram, I usually I, I'm getting better at. I don't post often. Again, it's like it's like very hard for me. It's like my, my team has to like really like you have to post something and it's like. I can't do it. it is like, so usually I try um, to like parlay it with something else that right. I feel is meaningful. Uh, you know, so, but so Instagram. Uh, give Instagram, us one. Give us one thirst trap shot, man. Come on, just give us yeah, one. Just, just out on a beach flexing. Just, like was, we'll blow like, up I, your Instagram. Well, and that's the thing. It's just, it's just like, yeah, take this and then talk about how you're so happy that you got some good sleep tonight. I'm like. It doesn't make any sense. I can't do that. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah. Why, why do I have to be in board shorts to do that? Like, it doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, but at Denim Richards, you can follow me. Uh, tw uh, Twitter at, at Denim Richards as well. 
Um, and yeah, it, I'm always open to have questions. Like it, the great thing is you agree to disagree. I'm not in a cult, you know what I mean? So I enjoy having conversations. Sure. You know, I enjoy having conversations, interacting. And I just hope that, you know, people get a different viewpoint and something, you know, when they listen to this, that they, you know, leave this, leave this conversation with more than they came with. Well, I think they're going to be super impressed. And again, you can check out uh, Denim's social media that he may or may not care about and respond to you. <laughs> you can watch you can watch Yellowstone on Paramount and then just support him. You, we're, we're lucky to have people like you, man. So nice to talk to you, Denim. Oh, and, and, and real quick, sorry, last thing. Sorry, it's um, cut. You can, sorry. So, yeah, that's done. This is it. <laughs> yeah. um, the last thing is, if you go on the if you go on my Instagram, you can get Mastering Your Mind. The link is on my bio. And the Master of Your Mind goes to Operation Underground Railroad. That's right. Which is specifically for um, supporting uh, this great organization that goes in to eradicate child sex trafficking rings, arresting the child sex traffickers, and then creating a safe haven for these children that have been, been fallen victim to child sex trafficking. So all the money and all for it. The book is $10. It's not, it's not anything. And all the money goes directly to them. So that's, a, that's the last thing. Wonderful, wonderful cause. Keep up the great work, man. It's so nice to talk to you, Dan. Thank you, bro. Shalom. Appreciate you, and I look forward to talk to you soon. That's right.